0: The good, the good, the bad, the bad, and, and the ugly. The ugly with Terence Pillay. Hello, Terence. Hello, Darren.
1: You know, I don't. I, I suspect that people without kids or nephews yeah. and nieces yeah. won't care about this as much as as it is an issue.
0: But it's huge. So there seems to be a recurring theme whenever I talk to my friends with children: mm. just how expensive it is to send them to school. And they're not even talking. We're not even talking about school fees here. It's all the other little expenses, some justified, some not, Mm. that they have to fork out on almost a daily basis. For example, a friend's child had done exceptionally well academically at school, right? So the school decided to hold a special evening where they hand out these Emerit Awards to the children who have excelled. Mm. But here's the catch. In order to come and watch your child get this award, you need to buy a ticket for 200 rand. (laughs) Each right. To go and watch so your child my friends had asked, "What? Working
1: well at school. Yes.
0: So my friends had asked what is this money being used for?' Mm. And they couldn't tell them, or they wouldn't tell them. It was not some gala dinner or anything. You literally walk into a hall, sit down, watch your child get the award, and go home. I find that exorbitant. unconscionable. Yeah. Uh, especially since you're paying school fees and you pay for everything like extracurricular activities separately. If the child wants to do ballet, that's a separate bill. Mm. If the child wants to do choir, it's a separate bill or recorder or whatever the case may be. Mm. And now the child has d- done really well at school and they're rewarding this child, which mm. is a good thing, mm-hmm. by charging 200 rand per person to go and watch this. That seems it's a bit mean. Unacceptable. Is that like per person? Per person, <laughs> per yeah. And this is just one example of something you have no choice but to fork out money for. Mm. It's not uh, like the school fees are cheap anyway. And um, it's even more so when you have two or more children mm. going going to school. I said to my friends that if they couldn't afford it, just simply say um, to the school, "I can't afford to pay the two hundred rand, but I'm coming to see my child get the award anyway." Yeah. Um, you know what? What are they going to do? They're going to stop. Stop them. I understand that schools are under pressure and they're trying to provide the best possible educational experience for children. Mm. And sometimes the subsidy that's there from government isn't enough. So they need to find ways to raise additional funds in order to be able to employ more teachers, to provide the activities. Maybe they want to introduce new extracurricular extracurricular activities Mm. besides the ones they have to pay for. I can even understand extracurricular activities. Mm. You know, if your child wants to take dance and they offer it as an extramural, then you must pay for it. It doesn't happen for free. But I think things like, You constantly ask your child to take money to school every day Mm. for little things Mm. um, is is, is a bit much. These days, they have to take money every day for something or the other. And this is happening at public schools. But for example, the high-end private schools, it's a different matter Mm. altogether. They simply send you a letter that says your child is going on an international tour of France Mm. um, and therefore you must pay. Mm. I was chatting to a friend of mine whose kids are in an expensive private school and they apparently even offer extra tuition at no charge because the teachers are residents at the school. Mm. And so up to 8 o'clock at night, your child can go to that teacher for extra tuition at no charge. But that's a private school. Mm. I'm talking about the general masses who can't afford this kind of luxury. Mm. At present we have something called the um, quintile system at government schools, quintile meaning five. Mm. They divide the schools into quintiles based on a variety of socio-economic indicators and those could include things like, is a school in an area that has running water, roads, electricity and so on. It looks at the unemployment rate of the community and all those things and then they are ranked as quintile one, two, three or four, mm. um, five Uh, With five being uh, the better resource, socioeconomically better, Mm -hmm. uh, more advantaged community, and they receive the lowest subsidy from government. And coming up, I'm going to tell you exactly what the other schools get. The good, the good, the bad, the bad, and, and the ugly, the ugly,
1: with Terence Pillay. So, it is kind of like a grudge purchase, I understand, when uh, you need to pay extra things, when you're, you're already paying money for your kids to go to school, you're already paying for extra murals, and you're already paying for outfits and stuff, and mm. I, listen, I, I'm by no stretch of the imagination, you know, an underpaid person, but I can't imagine having a second yeah. or third child, I could not afford that, um, but expensive. then... The quintiles though, you know, because you say quintile one is a school that gets one of the biggest grants and a quintile five gets um, as little government assistance as possible. Surely as a school so you want to be ranked
0: quite fee. low in the quintile so that you'll get more money from Well, government. not necessarily so So quintile one refers to the poorest communities and they get the highest subsidy from government mm. that are classified as no-fee schools So basically you don't have to pay school fees yeah. to go to school uh, but they will still have to pay for the extramural things that children would have to do There's nothing fair about it We live in a world which has two education systems sure. One for the rich One for the poor yeah. And the poor can't afford anything So they get a basic level of of education and obviously there are exceptions you know you get quintile one schools which are low fee schools uh, which are performing exceptionally well Mm. academically but that's usually against the odds they don't have the luxury of saying I need to employ an extra maths teacher so I can reduce my class size Mm. um, so I can give better attention to the children or I can differentiate my instruction so that I can do a remedial math class Mm. there's no opportunity for that because you've got your basic government allocation of teachers which is the bare minimum Mm. and the learner to teacher ratio is like 1 to 34 or something like that so why are we not addressing this disparity i just want to say throw a birthday party for 10 kids and, try yeah. and see how, how little control you have. Yes. Now imagine trying to teach 30. 30 34. Exactly. Class, right? Um, yeah. So why are we not addressing this disparity? If you look at the proportions across the whole system, the largest number of learners comes from the poorest schools. Mm. So they should get more money. And if they do get more money, uh, they would be able to employ more teachers. Mm. But they don't. The subsidies that schools get cover only the non-salary costs. The salary costs are paid by the Department of Education. They get an allocation which is called a post-provisioning norm. This is based on the number of learners enrolled in your school and the subjects you offer. So you get X number of teachers for the subjects that you offer and these salaries are paid for by the Department of Education. The subsidies that the schools get are used for things like water, electricity, telephones and stationery, Mm. although in some cases stationery and textbooks are provided. Government should really be absorbing the costs of water and electricity because Mm. these come from state-owned enterprises anyway. And I'm sure there's some, you know, the usual sort of free applications, but they still have to pay enough to cover services. And so people make a choice here. They say, I'm going to try and see if I can get my child into the best school because I know they're going to get a better quality of education. Mm. But then, of course, you have to pay Mm. in order to provide Free equal education is going to cost money. If every school was at the standard in terms of infrastructure and number of teachers and all these other things that you need to run a good school, it would cost a lot of money. Um, In fact, already 6.6% of our, our GDP should be spent on education. So it's a bugbear for many, you know, as a parent or a family member constantly having to pay. And I think that's just the burden of the middle class in order to deal with government Inefficiency, we pay product providers. You pay private medical care, private mm. security, and so on and so on. You pay for everything. I just think that the school, uh, this whole thing, um with being a parent is so difficult financially Mm. and in this country especially so if you want your child to have some kind of quality education and on top of that let's say if your child is playing four different sports um, there are four different uniforms Mm -hmm. for that and it all costs money and you can't avoid it obviously you want your child to have a well-rounded education experience but how can you give them this if you can't afford it.
1: And the kids that are doing well in those scenarios uh, end up getting, you know, um, being a part of some CSI or some, yeah. uh, some form of handout. And they just get lucky. Uh, we yeah. don't want a situation where a couple of kids get lucky because 100%. right place, right time. We'd like every kid to have the opportunity to ad- advance themselves in education, in sport, in the arts. Yeah. Um, so we, are we asking government to do a, a little bit more then? How
0: a lot more, a, not just a, a little lot, more. A lot more. more.
1: All right, you know, yeah, it brings things things into perspective because I, I complain about buying a second pair of ballet shoes, when some kids are just looking for uh, power, water, and textbooks. Mm. Thanks, Thanks, Darren. Thanks, Darren. This is East
0: Coast Breakfast.